Let's get dark. Let's get dark. Let's get dark. Welcome to the Five Foot Five and Growing Podcast. This is Christine. How you doing? Tonight, we have a, a very special episode. A uh, little disclaimer. Tonight's episode is not the usual uh, update and so on and so forth episode. Um, so, be forewarned. Uh, tonight's episode is going to deal with death, grief, loss, and all the feelings that come with that. So if you don't want to go down a dark road, uh, stop now. I'll give you a second. Later in the week, we'll have another episode that's the usual. But this one is deliberately somber. So it is September 30th. It's almost... Midnight, exactly 16 years ago, I was going to bed, and the next day, my dad died. So it wasn't as simple as waking up and he was gone. That would have been easier, maybe? Let me backtrack. So, my pops, my lovely, handsome, fantastic dad, uh, whew, where, where do I start? Well, I guess we'll start at the end and work our way backwards to try to work through some of the emotions. Uh... My pops and my mom were married for 30 years. Uh, 1973. They met in a barbecue in Detroit, I believe was the story. Or He was playing basketball, one of the two. He and mom's. It was a Friday night. He and moms went to the casino for dinner. The casino's like 45 minutes away, so spur of the moment, but that was Pops. Pops Pops never met a casino he didn't like. But not in a bad way. Like in a chill, like how some people go to Target that's how he kind of went to the casino. It's like his happy place. Go figure. Anywho, uh, as they were standing in line at the buffet, he felt lightheaded and dizzy. And the lovely people at Turning Stone Called the ambulance, you know, wanted to make sure he was okay. Nothing happened while he was at the casino. Take him to an area hospital. Turns out his blood pressure is like sky high for some strange reason. Uh, 
couple days later, he was gone. He had a, a bunch of strokes. Many strokes. Uh, this was 2003. I was 24. So when the neuro, the neuro, neurosurgeon, um, or I'm sorry, neurologist on staff in the ICU came in and kind of explained the, the multitude of many strokes he had overnight. For some reason, all I could think of was the video game Missile Command. You remember the Atari video game Missile Command? That's all I could think of. These little, these little bombs slowly just coming down and blowing up in my dad's brain. That was probably one of the longest days of my short life at that point. Sitting at the hospital, waiting for my brother to make it out. Because like I said, we were like 45 minutes, almost an hour away from home. So me and moms and the lovely doctor in ICU, wonderful lady. I can still see her face. I don't remember her name. But she cried. That's that's how I know how awesome my dad was. Just those few days he was there. He made that much of an impression on this total stranger. But because of the severity of how many little strokes he had, he was pretty much gone. We just had to pull the plug, so to speak. I still remember the huddle. In this like little back section in the ICU, when the neurologist and the ICU doctor um, was talking to me and my mom and my brother, I don't remember everything that they said. I just remember basically the gist was he was gone. Mentally, he was gone. And even though my pops was like 6'2", probably 200 pounds, his brain was the best part about him. So if that was gone, there was no sense of keeping his body. Like I said, this is somber, very dark. My pop passing away you would have thought would have been the life-altering moment of my life. And it was for a good chunk of my life. But the the one thing I had, well, two things I had going for me was I still had my mom and my brother. And my brother was my He's my big brother. So I knew I always had, you know, a dad-like figure. Um, And when he died suddenly, that's when everything went to poop. But Pop's death, 
they both hit different. Like, I don't, I'm putting them into words because, you know, it was the night before. And every, just like with my brother, every night before that they died, I could never sleep. Like, ever. Even the night, the night before my dad passed away. I don't remember what we argued about, but me and my mom got in an argument that night as the man was dying in a hospital an hour away, unbeknownst to us. And the next morning, you know, apologies and such, and we went to the hospital, uh, you know, walking in, holding hands, only to see the ICU doctor's face when we walked in. We saw all the all the cords going into his room. Let me let me try to explain my relationship with my pops. So I'm the youngest. My parents had two kids together. My mom, my brother, my mama's boy, quote unquote, but not I don't wouldn't call him a mama's boy. But she was, he was clearly my mom's favorite. And I guess the natural progression would be that I was daddy's little girl, but I wasn't. Like, I was in theory, but I wasn't daddy's little girl. I tried to be just like him. Still am, actually. Just, I have failed miserably. But that is literally a story for another day. But. Um, you know, our sides were kind of picked, sort of. And I just thought my dad was the bee's knees. I looked like him. I looked just like him. Do you know how many times in my life that someone has said, you look just like your daddy? And I, yeah, 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 I know. Which, it wouldn't be a bad thing, but... Yeah, I'm a girl. My dad was, you know, tall with a mustache. Nobody wants to look like that. He worked for Chrysler for 30 years. And this is hard. I'm not, the long pauses aren't for effect. It's just trying to gather my thoughts. So he worked for Chrysler for 30 years. He was in the Army. Um, My parents got married in Germany. It's a fun fact. And they flew over with my my brother. Or he flew. My mom and my brother flew over. My dad proposed from Germany. And then sent for my mom and my brother. Coolest wedding photo, though. It's actually one of my faves. But, you know, you go with the heart wants what the heart wants. And if you got to leave Detroit and go to Germany, so be it, I guess, right? My pops was a, a simple dude. And I mean that in, like, the sweetest way. I remember after he passed away, uh, I wrote this, like, long... I don't even know what the word just uh, diatribe. I, it was like I don't know, like six pages or something like that. Typed. Um, 
I can't remember everything I wrote. I know it's saved somewhere, maybe. Um, probably on a floppy disk. But I remember one of the lines I put in there was he was the only man I knew who could be completely content with a Pepsi and a newspaper on a Saturday morning. Like, I strive for that. Or deep down, I strive for that. But my man was just chill. Just chill. And he said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And he was funny. And he didn't say a whole lot. Especially around new people. But when he did talk, he was funny and smart. We, My pops was my Superman. And he didn't do anything like overly special. He was just cool. To me. Like... All American dad, but not real. I don't. I don't even know how to describe it. But he was like Superfly meets Shaft meets like Mister Rogers. Like he was just, he was just mad chill, and he played his music, and he drank his Pepsi's, and he ate his peanuts. And he read the paper, and he watched his westerns and his action movies, and he took me and my brother. I remember the first movie I remember going to see in a theater was me, my dad, and my brother went to see Indiana Jones. I don't know. That's all I remember. I remember going. I remember getting popcorn, and I remember sitting there between the two of them. I also remember watching movies I'm not supposed to watch, or I wasn't supposed to watch, or I shouldn't have watched. I remember they took me to see Harlem Nights. I was 10. You know how much cussing there is in Harlem Nights? But Leo, Leo and Rosa, they took a chance. I guess, you know, you expose your kid to it and you tell them what's right and what's wrong. It's okay. I guess it worked. I turned out semi-okay, I guess. Pops was just cool. And I would sit and watch NASCAR with him. It was like a black man from Alabama watches NASCAR on purpose. And we watched college basketball and football and the NFL and basketball. I was a pretty good son. It's a running joke, but like I said, I really wanted to be like my dad. And like sometimes when I let it out, I even sound like him. 
And sometimes I repress it, and sometimes it just comes out. My first job was summer summer employee at Chrysler. Uh, like current active employees could have their kids come work in the summers to you know help cover people's vacations and such. Fantastic. I didn't have to do much. I filled out an application, which basically comprised of who I am, where I went to school, who my parent was. And that first summer in 1998, for from May to the middle of August, I got told, do you know who your father, Leo's your father? You look just like your daddy. You know, you want to fight it, but you really can't. Because I, I really did look just like him. Like, there was no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But the wonderful thing about that summer job is when, you know, when your dad works in, like, a, a factory setting, then you, you don't, there was no bring your kid to work day there. And I was little. So I never really got to see him at work. I just thought. He made cars for a living, which I thought was cool. And they would do like an open house every fall. The year the Dodge Viper came out and he took me to the open house and they had one, I had tears in my eyes. But when I got that job and he showed me around and then like there was these like younger guys and by younger at the time, I'm thinking probably like late 20s to early 30s, I was 18. I just finished my freshman year of college. And I had a baby face. And I remember walking by, he was showing me, like, the other side of the the factory. And he's like, hey, fellas, this is my daughter. And just the way he said it in my head, I'm going, oh, dad, come on. But, you know, I can remember one of the guys was like, Leo, you ain't got to tell us that. She looked just like you. We know that's your daughter. And I'm like, man, so... I guess I'm not going to find a date working at Chrysler for the summer because all the guys that work here are my dad. But he was so well-respected and so well-liked. That one person, I mean, why would they tell me? But every person that I met and they saw my name or saw my face, really, it was, you know, it was like a, an instant level of respect and like like I was like Don Corleone's daughter or something like it was cool it was really cool that's one of the best jobs I've ever had still after all these years but it was just cool to see him seeing him in his element or being around you know people that got to see him every day in a different element I remember the first night, my first day when I um, started, I worked second shift. My dad worked first shift. So I had to get there early to, you know, learn the lay of the land and such and fill out paperwork. That's when my dad gave me the tour. And then um, the next day I got there early. I remember coming home and I was like, my mom's like, you know, how you doing? She stayed up, she stayed up till 11 o'clock, make sure I got home okay. 
And I remember walking in the door and I had all this like scrap metal and crap all over me. And I'm like, Mom, Dad don't do nothing. And she's like, well, I'm like, I get there and he's just sitting on a forklift reading the paper. He, he was reading the paper. Mom, he reads the paper in the morning. He reads the paper in the evening and he was reading it at work too. Mom, he don't do nothing. We've been bamboozled all this time. She just kind of laughed it off. But I'm like, yo, I'm telling you, this dude don't do nothing. I mean, cash your checks player, but I felt duped. Pops is cool. Pops, see, this is, I knew how cool my dad was. Like, my sister got married in 89. My mom and my dad had matching cherry curls. It's priceless. Priceless. And looking at, like, the old wedding photos, I'm just, I just look at him and just go, you know, securing your manhood. Like, he was clean with it, too. Just, like, just imagine if, if Ron O'Neill from Superfly got rid of the perm and then, like, he lived from the 70s to the 80s and had a curl. I'm just, I'm just saying, just take that cool Minus the, you know, drug dealing and pimpery. Give him, like, a solid family and just, and a curl. I mean, that's not what my dad looks like, but the persona, sort of. I miss my dad. I remember when they told us that, you know, this is it. We gotta, like, take him off life support. So I remember, like, my mom's church people started to come and um, before we officially took them off life support, I was just like, can I just have a moment alone with them? I remember I was so scared to touch them because I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't remember why, but I was so afraid to just touch them. And I brought my uh, disc man with me. Remember, it's 2003. And I brought my disc man and I had made a CD of all his favorite songs. Or not all of them, but, you know, 17 of his favorite songs. Because they had put him in a medically induced coma to try to get his blood pressure down. But that didn't work. But I put the headphones on and I was hoping the music might, like, trigger something. It didn't, it didn't, well, outwardly to me, it didn't work. In my heart, I feel like he heard Marvin Gaye one last time. You remember, was it Winter Soldier? I can't remember at the moment which Captain America movie, but when Sam was like, you gotta listen to Trouble Man by Marvin Gaye, I remember... I wept in the movie theater when that came on. Because that was one of my dad's favorite songs. It was like one of the low-key favorite songs. And it's Marvin at his finest. Or one of his finest. But I put that music on. And I tried to just... One last talk with him. 
And I'm like, I remember telling him, you're not going to be there to walk me down the aisle. Like, that's one of my biggest regrets. I mean, granted, I'm not 40, or 40, I'm not married. But my dad will never walk me down the aisle. I've, I always looked forward to that. And what made that blow, well, at least not in real time, but years later, what made that blow a little easier to swallow was, well, you know, at least got my brother. And then I amended the, you know, dream in my head from my dad walking me down to, you know what, my brother and my mom, we could walk down together because it's just us. And we'll hug at the end and then, you know, I'll get married. Well, now he's gone. So I guess it's my nephew and my mom. Or maybe it's just me and moms. Who knows? What if I never get married? That's scary. I remember... You know, I told him how much I loved him. And I told him, you know, I try to take care of mom and do all the things he taught me how to do. And then years later, when my life started to spiral downward, I'm like, you know, I feel like such a failure compared to the promise I made. I still actually feel like that, really. Pops was just... Pops was just... He was just that dude. So check it, right? So my dad, my dad's one of 13 kids. He's the third oldest son. I think they had eight boys. Eight boys and four girls. Nine boys and four girls. So from Mobile, Alabama. So this little you know, this big family from this little small uh, place or house, this little small house, little, you know, shotgun house. So years later, uh, we go visit. We went every year. We went Christmas and 4th of July. Um, so for one 4th of July, we go, we go over to the house, to my grandparents' house. Stove don't work. Now I, it's a shotgun house, so the stove, the kitchen's in the back of the house. So I remember I came in, walked through the house, said good morning to everybody, came back into the room, sat down. I heard you know a commotion in the kitchen, saying something about the stove, the oven, blah blah. blah. Pops walked out of the kitchen, walked by. Said, Shorty, I'll be back. And I was like, Can I go? Nope, I'll be right back. And I'm like, Okay. Thought nothing of it. Sitting there chopping it up with my cousins and aunts and uncles. I'd say half hour, 40 minutes went by. This man came back with a brand new stove. I was like, I. Wait, what? And everybody's just like, Leo. And he's just like, y'all got a stove? Here's a stove. Brand new. I'm like, did you find a Sears? Like, how did you know where there's a Sears? 
that doesn't sound like a lot, but there's not too many people who, A, could do that. And this was like 1995, 6, maybe, somewhere in there. So not too many people could do that. Not too many people would do that. Without consulting anybody and not talking. Just was like, stove's broke. Got in his car, drove, came back with a stove. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No discussion. You ain't got to pay me back. Just, you got a stove. Here you go. Now let's work out this breakfast. Or, was it the same year? So, I tell this story because the stove story is awesome because it was for his parents. And his parents and his brother that still lived at home at the time. Because um, his brother was younger, much younger. But the year was 95. 96, my bad. So, mom's it was a Saturday morning. Saturday morning's here. Um, we made breakfast. You know, French toast, pancakes, grits, biscuits. Something along these lines. My parents are country from Alabama. So, it's a country breakfast, right? So we put up a spread. Well, moms went to church early. So I looked at pops. I'm like, so am I making pancakes? Okay. So he was like, oh, I'm going to whip mine up. You take a shower, blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. By the time I get dressed, come out, he's finishing up, so on and so forth. He's eating his breakfast. I'm starting to make my pancakes. He liked his pancakes really thick. I liked my pancakes thinner. So, a little different. So, I'm about to sit down to eat my pancakes. He's getting up to go in the living room to watch TV. It's March. March Madness, right? He goes in the living room, turns on the TV. Duh! <sighs> the pitcher tube didn't gone out on the TV. I get up from the kitchen, I walk to the living room, I look, and there's just a, a thin line of screen across, and there's sound. But, you know, you can't really see anything else. This man turned off the TV, put on his burgundy members-only jacket, put on his all-white Reeboks, shut Abby back. Finish your breakfast. By the time I finished breakfast, read the sports page, read the lifestyle page, got up to make, got up to wash dishes. This man came back at the house with a brand new twenty-five inch TV, and I was like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Help me with the door," and I was like, "Dad, you got a new TV?" He's like, "Yeah, TV went out. We got a new TV." Just. That doesn't seem like a ton, but that was like watching Superman like stop a train to me. And it was really simple, but it was just something broke or something is, you know, quote unquote died. We need a new one. I'm going to get a new one. Like no discussion, no hemming and hawing. No, let me research 
just went to Sears. Probably walked in and said, hey, my man, I need a new TV. I don't know how it went. He didn't take me. But before the second half of the first game that day, we had a brand new TV. Moms came home from church at like 2 o'clock and was like, wait, what? And I'm like, Dad bought a new TV. And he turned and looked at my mom and was just like, oh, picture tube died. That was it. And I remember, like, my brother came home from work and I'm like, yo, Pops brought a new TV. And he's like, wait, what do you do with the old one? I'm like, no, no, the old one died. But let me tell you the story. And I was so ex- I don't know, 20 some odd years later, that's still just that's one of my favorite stories about him. Like, I strive to be that. I don't have his bank account, but still. And then he, it was just a very straightforward example that he set. Like, if you ever needed somebody to just go, this is who you need to be like. He was it. Like his quote unquote one flaw, well, one obvious flaw, is he smoked. He quit drinking for the most part. And he wasn't like a a super duper heavy drinker, but you know. He would have the occasional beer. And I'm like, he when he quit drinking, I was like, one day he was just like, let me fix uh, gin and whatever. And the next day it was like, I don't drink anymore. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? And then he didn't like toss all the alcohol out or it still sat in the bottom shelf of the record player thingy. He just one day just decided, I think it was doctor recommended. I don't remember. But one day he just he stopped drinking. And I was like, huh, okay. Like, the man never had a cold. He never got the flu. I think uh, something happened to him at work. He cut, like, a little a piece of his thumb or something like that, and he had to go to the hospital. Let me tell you how shook I was. He never was sick. The injury to the thumb, and it wasn't even that bad in the grand scheme of things. But I never saw he was Superman. Like, no cough. When I tell you the man never got sick. He never got sick. And then to see him, like, in a hospital bed just was mind-blowing. I remember sitting in there with him before all the strokes happened. And I'm like, he doesn't have his glasses on. But I'm thinking, well, he's got his eyes closed. Like, he's in the medically induced coma, dum-dum. But it just, I just remember his face. Like, he when he went to sleep, like, especially when he fell asleep in his, like, recliner, his face always looked I don't say angry, but he just had this like, I don't know, scowl sort of. And I'm like, dude, are you mad? But then if you heard him snore, you'd be like, well, okay, I understand. 
he snored like a train was flowing through. I don't know how my mom did it. I really don't. God bless her. Like all these little stories that I'm telling you about my pops. They're the things that, you know, I hold on to dearly. But I really do miss them. Like on a day-to-day basis. Like I wish I could talk to them. I have so many questions. Like, if he doesn't die on October 1st, 2003, my life is completely different. My brother's life is completely different. My mom's life is completely different, obviously. Completely different. And, you know, they like to, like, buck that idea. And I'm like, dude, dad lives, or nothing ever happens to dad. You two have sold this house, and you live in Alabama somewhere in, like, some three-bedroom, two-bath condo chilling like none of this is the same it's like do you know how dope that Chrysler 300 would have been if my dad but I had a chance to see those come to fruition my god this would have been a completely different life I would probably be a teacher somewhere Maybe. Moms would have been retired. They probably would have been traveling from various casinos and such. I don't know what my brother would... Well, my my brother probably would have finally opened the restaurant. He should have always opened. Or actually, that's probably what we would have done together. we, We had an idea for a food truck. Long before food trucks were popular. I miss my dad. And when your daddy's little girl, quote unquote, and now the man that's protected you, that's helped you, that's provided for you, who's given you wisdom and most of your personality traits is gone. Like that leaves a hole that that you can never fully repair. Like it was Grand Canyon size hole, or at least it felt like it at the time. Like I, I wouldn't wish the death of a parent on anybody. Well, there's a few exceptions, but that's not the point of this podcast. But anybody who truly loves their parent and has a good relationship with their parent, I wouldn't, that grief, I wouldn't wish that on a bunch of people. And I I remember I stayed home. I lived in Buffalo at the time when he passed away. But when they called um, and said he was in the hospital, uh, I took the train home because my car at the time was on the fritz. 
And I stayed here two weeks. I didn't want to go back. It, like, he would have made it, even though he wasn't physically here at the house. The house still smelled like him. Like, nothing had changed. You know, the closet still smelled like his cologne and smoke, which was a very weirdly good smell. And I still smell it from time to time. Depending on where you go in the house, there's pockets of Leo still in here. But I didn't want to go back to my life in Buffalo. It didn't mean as much anymore. But I remember my mom was like, you, you got to go home. And I'm like, I'm here for you. And she's like, you got to go home. And I'm like, but I am home? No? Okay. And I tried to stay here. I stayed here for like two weeks, two and a half weeks when my brother died in 2014. And it was the same thing. You got to go back. You got to go back to Georgia. And I'm like, but I don't want to go. Some, sometime, someday, I'll get the help I need to deal with the loss of my pops and my brother. I remember the first panic attack I ever had. I don't remember the date. I remember it was pouring rain. And I remember, obviously, it was after he died. And I was driving to work. Nope, scratch that. That was a different panic attack. I heard the OJs, I Love Music, on the radio. Shout out to Buffalo, New York's 93.7 WBOK. They play I Love Music by the OJs. My pops loved the OJs. Loved the OJs. That Family Reunion album got so much play. But I Love Music, I don't... It makes me ball. And part of it is my dad, but part of it... Then, um, later in the song... Um, they break it down and they come out with the symbols hard and every time they hit them symbols it like it pinches my soul and I weep but I remember that song came on the radio shortly after he died when I was driving in Buffalo and I just wept like uncontrollably wept I had to pull over to the side of the road because I just couldn't I just the breakdown was just it was too much. I couldn't drive and cry at the same time. It was just too much. Pops put me on the music. Pops put me on the sports. He put me on his cars. We used to go to the car shows. And so all those things remind me of him. So it's hard to, like, you know, get through a day without hearing something or seeing something that reminds me of us.
or even the time we spent together as a family. One of the things my dad taught me that has come in handy the most, um, my ability to drive long distances. I'll take a road trip with the best of them. Like, I remember uh, they would never let me drive. I got my learner's permit, like, for shits and giggles. Because um, they were never going to let me drive their cars officially, officially. And I remember when I got my license, and that first trip down south, and I got my license. Them punks, we got to Pennsylvania. I remember I live in Syracuse, New York. We got to Pennsylvania, which is probably like four hours and some change into the drive. Pops is like, here you go, shorty, you know the way. You get tired, you know, just pull over and, you know, let me know. And I'm like, okay. I just got my license. They've never let me drive on the highway, like on a long road trip before. These punks handed me the keys. Next thing I know was Virginia. And they were like, oh, yeah, done good. And I'm like, dog, y'all just gave me the keys, like. Seriously? And they just went to sleep? We just let your 18-year-old kids drive. But I thank them for it because years later, you know, driving back and forth to college and such, I was a pro. When my friend took a job in Alabama, and I was like, I want to come down and visit for homecoming because it was at an HBCU. I'd never been to an HBCU homecoming before. So I was like, I'll drive. This was 06. And I remember getting the map quest, printing out the map quest directions. And it was like, oh, it's going to take like 16 hours or no, 14 hours or something like that. And my friend was like, you don't know the way? And I'm like, of course I know the way. I just wanted to see the time and, you know, print it out just by the time or whatever, whatever. Man, I think I got to Kentucky and I was like, you know what? This one-woman show, Leo really, he really, really taught me well. Thank God for Red Bull. Pops drank Pepsis when we took road trips. I drank like 11 Red Bulls to get through that day. Needless to say, that was not a good idea. I could go on and on about stories about my dad. This is not the direction it was supposed to go down, but I guess this is what I needed to tell the world, or at least part of what I needed to tell the world. His his loss, honestly, like to pull it back dark, Honestly, I don't know how my mom did it. I really don't. I marvel at her strength and ability to cope. I don't have the same faith in God that she does. At all. And I know she cried herself to sleep. And the pain was unbearable at times. And there's not much really I could do, even 16 years later. And vice versa. 
you know, I went back to Buffalo and I cried myself to sleep and everybody else's lives went on and I just kind of was like, sure. I went to work and I did whatever, but it wasn't the same. You know, it's not supposed to be. But I've always felt, I won't say sorry, but like when you're together with somebody for 30 years, 30 plus, they were married for 30 years, they were together for 33 years before he died. You know, he just retired, put his daughter through college. He was 52. 52. And he could have retired the year before, but he decided to do one more year. 52 is entirely too young. And he never got to see my brother get married. Or see my nephew grow up. My nephew was, what, four when he died? My mom vacuumed out her car the other day. I, you know, just cleaned out her car. And I looked at her, I go, Dad would be so proud. And she just kind of shrugged it off. And But in my head, I'm like, he so would be so proud. I think he'd be proud of my mom, how well she's done with all of this. Because you go from 30 years from, you know, a traditional marriage where, you know, Pops was the breadwinner and took care of everything. And she still worked, so it wasn't one of those situations. But, you know, he paid the bills and he sat at the kitchen table the end of every month with all the bills laid out and wrote a check and paid them all off and, you know, so on and so forth. And... Once we organized all the paperwork after he died and bought a safe, she picked right back up. She didn't miss a beat. The house is paid for and she's done so much. She's done so well. I marvel at it. And when she lost her son, I just, I, I fell apart. But She's held on pretty good, considering. I'm still trying to repair stuff, but like I said, I don't have the same. I don't have the same faith in God that she does. So she's a she's a prayer, and I appreciate her for it. She and my pops are well, at least towards the end. Like, I won't say two ends of the spectrum, but, you know, mom's with the church all the time, and so, and pops is just like, okay, well, you have fun, I'll be sitting here watching football. And uh, the occasional days where he would pop up at church, which was like once a year, maybe, it always touched her heart. Like, I don't know if he did it out of, like, guilt or the Lord put it on his spirit, but, you know, he put on his suit and come to church. He came late. 
he was not there. You know, he went for Sunday school and all that other stuff. He wasn't there for that. He came when service started, which I was like, smart. Can I do that? He was such a good dad. You know, you never got everything you wanted. I'm still, I still want them Jordans from 1988 and 89 and 90. Someday I will get them. But, you know, he fought. You know, he made you work for it. I washed cars and shoveled the driveway, mowed lawns. Vacuum out cars, raked leaves. I earned my allowance. I I could go on. But I just, I really miss my dad. And I never... I never really got counseling for it. I should. Someday I will. Like, I broke down at work today. Just thinking about the gravity of tomorrow. And maybe I shouldn't make a big deal of it, but I do because it matters to me. And that's one thing, you know, we never really worked through is how to cope responsibly. This is how I cope, you know, besides chicken wings and crappy foods, but my uh, my best friend Amy, the first, so 2004, the first year after my dad had passed away, um, we called it, she, she dubbed it Fond Remembrance Day. So every year on April, or April, on August, October 1st, wow, why can't I get this right? I take the day off from work. And some of the stuff varies, but I used to, like, wash my car. Uh, I, I have CDs, Dad Day CDs. Uh, but I guess I'm going to have to make that an actual playlist on Tidal or Apple Music at this point. I usually go to one of his favorite breakfast spots. And I just have a day. Um, stuff I would do with my dad. Uh, I can't visit his grave because he is buried in Alabama. Uh, so I can't do that. I've done it before, but I can't do that tomorrow. So that's what I'm going to do. I haven't told anybody. But I have tomorrow off from work. Uh, I'm going to see a movie. Because that's my self-care. It's supposed to be like 80 degrees. So. uh, The Jeep is hard to wash. By hand. Because I'm short. So I may need to. Spend the money and go to Delta Sonic. And have them. Maybe have them just do the inside. And I can 
figure out the outside, I'm not sure. But I'm 40 years old and I'm still the same 24-year-old kid who misses their dad immensely. Because I feel like losing him then kind of stunted my growth. Even though I was out of college and uh, actually, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, I was going back to school at the time. But I don't know. Um, he was just such a good dude. He was such a good man. He was a good dad. You'd have to ask my mom if he was a good husband. I would say so. I just, he was everything to me besides my brother and my mom. Fantastic Four. We were a nice little four. We went bowling on Friday nights. It's just so. I pour some out. I pour out a Pepsi. Pour out a Pepsi in his honor tomorrow, or at this point, it's probably today. For Leo. My lion, my protector, my Mustafa, dead ass. Mm-hmm. I love you, Dad. I miss you.